Hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I am your host, Caleb Porzio. And I'm host, Daniel Colbert. And uh, thank you for being with us, Daniel. And today's episode yep. is brought to you by... By QuickTime Player. That's right. <laughs> Embedded in every Macintosh device. Thank you, QuickTime, for sponsoring the show. QuickTime, um, while I have you here, I would appreciate it if when I open you, you don't open a Finder panel that I have to hit Cancel on that is annoying what's up with that chunts up with that what's up with that i don't know man um did you ever listen to the podcast hello from the magic tavern no you uh definitely recommended it to me okay cool. i may just even have subscribed sure just making sure i've recommended you it. have um anyway there's a character in that show named chunt and uh he has a catchphrase that he developed over time where he says chunts up with that um and i think of it all the time chunt is up with that daniel chunts up with that all right anyway hello from the magic tavern hello from the magic tavern hello from buffalo new york am i right dude in the house in the house Back the house in buffalo in the house somewhere in the buffalo region we would never we would never specific. say the town or the street or the collar of the house yeah or the the hamlet yes that's right how did it dude i think about there uh you watch what's that show um schitt's creek you probably watched mm-hmm. through that right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i've seen some apps um moira says like in our little hamlet and i think of it all the time when i when i pass like the sign that says like welcome to to um happy town where i'm from and mm-hmm. I'm just Happy like, Oh, Caleb, you we should go back and replace when you say when you say Happy Town, we should replace it with Happy Town. With Happy Town. Dude, yeah. um so this bit that we always do, uh somebody Oh, somebody didn't do the bit, but somebody did something similar to it on like a late night news type thing. They were like they were they like They stole our bit. They stole our bit. Yeah. <sighs> I hate when late night news steals our bits. I know. Um, Daniel, we do have, we have a lot of like BS topics to cover and then we have some real meaty stuff Mm -hmm. from, from Daniel here. Sure. I just want to talk about rust, but let me make sure we we get all the soft topics out. Well, you don't think, you don't think rust is accessible? No. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's funny. The primogen is over rust, right? He's, he's, he's on a zig now. He's he's just mad because of the because of everybody's the mad copywriting things. Pretty, but crazy. here's the thing: I'm not scared of the Rust Foundation suing me, so I'm just going to break their rules and dare them to sue me. There you go. We're going to call this podcast Rust 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 TM. Dude, it is so crazy how freaking oh my gosh things are cool and then they're not. All of a sudden, Mastodon it's still cool. Mastodon's over. Yeah, Mastodon will have its day. Yeah, no, it's over. Blue sky is you know the, the current problem thing with, that's you not going to You know what the problem work. with Mastodon was? What's that? Not written in Rust. That Right. That's the problem. <laughs> the problem with Rust is that it's not written in Zig. That's the problem. Zig is not cool. Dude, it's crazy to me how like one... I knew about Zig before all this shit. Because that's what uh, Bun is I know. Bun that's is written in when Zig. it was like... When it got its little moment. And then I also yeah. listened to... I don't know why I listened to this. I listened to an interview with the Zig guy. Uh-huh. Um, I've listened to an interview with the Zig guy. Yeah, you did. Uh huh. What What was that? I think. Th- did somebody think recommend that to us? 
I think Theo.gg. No, I just I get recommendations from algorithms. I don't get recommendations from people. I don't know what podcast it was. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I listened to an interview. Um, I have actually been digging this podcast that I don't remember the name of because I my brain doesn't work. But well, thank you. Felix, you're very welcome. The du- it's this dude who tells uh, tech stories, like software stories. And I think Zig might have. That's maybe where I listened to yes. it. Oh, my God. Caleb, real briefly. Yeah. Adam's new podcast is so good. If you're not listening to Adam's new podcast, people, Hackers Incorporated with Ben Ornstein and Adam Lathan, you have to be listening to this podcast. It's so good. That's all. Yeah, I I listened to the first two or three. I, d- I haven't listened to the band one, the one about the band one's good. The, band. the one after the band one, the recent, the lifetime pricing one. Oh, I heard about that. He's incredible. Okay, yeah, I'll have to check that out. But the band one's good too. Yeah, those are the two I haven't listened to. I I like the Jason Cohen one, um, and then the first two. Yeah, maybe the band one was one of the first two. I don't know. Anyway, they're really they're really hitting their stride. Yeah, I love it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like Adam's been pent up with podcast. For sure. Yep. No doubt. Adam, uh, he, yeah, he's, he's been locked away after full stack he's, radios, uh, you know. Yeah. He's been with podcast. And now he's given birth. What? Nothing. Continue. Like per- so you you listen to an interview with the Zig guy. No, whatever. Yeah, anyway, podcast you like. It's called Software Stories, and then hey, no, no, no. We're not going down that road, Daniel. I'm not going to take I that. From I, you. I hate to have taken you away from this road. Clearly, it was a good road to be on. Um, so whatever, Zig. Yeah, it's just funny. Yeah, sorry about that peak there, but um, Zig is uh is hot. Blue sky is hot. What else is like? I I heard I saw Aaron Francis reply to somebody, and they were like. Like the subtext was that there's a new ORM in the JS ecosystem and everybody abandoned the old ORM for something. There are some new ORMs in the JS ecosystem, but a big thing that happened is Prisma got better. Oh, okay. So Prisma had really bad cold starts um, and they made them good. So Prisma's fast now. So that might be what people are talking about. But there's also one called Drizzle that looks really cool. Hmm. That's like a new JavaScript ORM. Hmm. Dude, anyway, I don't. JavaScript is like the worst place to build anything. <laughs> I'm absolutely, completely over it. <laughs> it's insane. Like it is a freaking wolf's den. Like you do anything. When are you gonna build? When are you gonna build Alpine Wasm? Gosh, bro, what are you talking about? <laughs> Alpine Wasm, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, dude, JavaScript is wild. Okay, so other news, random news. Um, uh, dude, there's other random news. I'm writing documentation, and that's a boring topic to talk about. For so, which? For which? But uh, for Livewire. Yeah, for Livewire. But I'm doing it right. You're doing documentation-driven development. Yeah, totally, constantly, constantly inventing new syntaxes and new features on the fly. Syntheses. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, I I don't know. You know, I mean, I I'm feeling the pressure now because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, because you you're chomping at the bit here to get onto Rust, so. Maybe we'll just do the Rust thing. No, 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 no. no I mean, don't. Yeah, I don't know because I don't have anything. You don't. You're doing documentation. I know, but that's not a thing. I, I'm trying to become a. Here's the thing about writing, Daniel. Uh huh. I don't know how to use an M dash or a semicolon. Oh, does ChatGPT know how to use them? Whoa, total dude. I feel like an idiot for buying these books now. 
Um, yeah, ChatGPT, I'm sure does. I honestly should do drills with ChatGPT. That's what I need. Is like I need drills. I need like. So here's what I'll. Yeah. Here's what I'll say as a segue is, learning Rust using ChatGPT is the best way to learn Rust. If you're gonna learn Rust, yeah. that's the way to learn it. Yep. So I have learned Rust pretty quickly, and I feel like I am. There are still a couple concepts that are a little sketchy. Yeah. Um, like lifetimes are a little sketchy. Um, but, but except for that, like, like I'm making serviceable, usable software that's fast in Rust. Um, so that's cool. But I read the docs, you know, I read the book. I've read the book. Um, I've read the docs. I've done some of their little tutorial shit. But really my t my tutor is ChatGPT. yeah yeah we talked about this last time or the time before because i remember i was telling you i was just like trying to learn rust like in the on the side like with mm -hmm. like zero effort and chat gpt mm -hmm. made that process amazing because it's mm -hmm. like the lowest effort way because you can just say show me the rust equivalent of this in php or like mm -hmm. what's the equivalent of traits from php and rust and that's that's the best way it's like just find the map from one language to another. That's not how I've been doing it. So I've been basically doing the thing where it's like I read the docs and I try and write good code. Yeah. And then when I hit these error messages that like reference concepts that I don't know, mm -hmm. I copy and paste my entire file and then the and entire the error message, error message yeah. into ChatGPT nice. and say, what does this error message mean? Mm -hmm. And it says, oh, it looks like you're trying to, uh, it looks like you declared this thing as not mutable but later you use the next keyword on a stream which requires that you mutate mm -hmm. it cool um and so that's why it's yeah mutable. that's awesome Sweet. you know or whatever so anyway it's it's very cool that is very cool dude oh i found an, a good usage for chat gpt um chat chat road trips what? entertainment on a road trip yep oh so you can just be like chat Generate me 20 trivia questions about like the deepest niche topic you want. And oh. it'll give you like fun trivia. We, we like trivia is our, our favorite thing to do on road trips in general. Mm -hmm. um, so I usually like print out trivia, you know, before we leave. And usually it's Disney World trivia because that's Hannah's favorite. But um, so we can do any any trivia, the office, whatever, anything. And it's awesome. So then we started like having conversations with it and we're like just making it entertain us we were like you are walt disney resurrected you know and whatever and i'm sitting in a bar with you and you're like confiding in me and and like i'm having a conversation so we're just having a conversation with walt and asking walt questions you're walt disney but you're not going to verbalize any of your opinions about the jews um <laughs> dude why go. why was walt disney anti an anti-semite is that legit yeah, well most people were at the time what did but he yeah. do how do I we know that how because people I'll look say up. that and i want to know like is that just one of those is that conjecture i'll look it up fact checking the age-old rumors of walt disney's dark side <laughs> <laughs> the evidence these charges stem primarily from the use of racial stereotypes in dumbo sure dumbo super racist song of the south super racist well, yeah blah, blah, blah. i mean some n-words and some pickaninnies um very bad he was also a sexist apparently where's oh he was an fbi informant that's interesting hmm. 
the charge, Walt Disney was cryogenically frozen and his body is stored in a chamber underneath Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Yeah. <laughs> the evidence, two mostly discredited biographies, claim that Disney expressed an interest in cryogenics before his death. Mm. <laughs> okay. So it seems like anti-Semitism specifically is not on this list yeah. in Vulture.com. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I think it's one of those things that just got like thrown around. But yeah. whatever. Um, but, Wouldn't yeah. surprise me. But I had to keep... I mean, there are some, definitely some tropes. It's so hard to get ChatGPT to be... Dude, if there was just like a button that you could press to make ChatGPT not so soft, it would... I would pay a lot of money for that. What do you mean not so soft? Like just not cooler? all the disclaimers, not all the not everything that it does to to, to water itself down. Yeah, yeah, to nerf. It the was world. so hard. Yeah, not nerfed chat. It was so hard to get ChatGPT to be a drunken belligerent Walt and like mm-hmm. slam like rides and decisions that Disney CEOs made and things like that. It was so difficult. ChatGPT kept turning the narrative back to like. Walt is like now sobering up after a few drinks. I'm like, Jet, like I'm trying to get the most. I'm trying to get you He'll to be, be drunk like for and hours, this chat. dude, and f that, and it's like impossible. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm. Well, I think it's hard for a robot to be drunk. No way. I don't think they have. I don't think the large language model has experience with drunkenness. You don't think so? I don't think they know how to be drunk. Wow. Um. So, yeah. Do you remember, were you there for the iDoser era? No. Where, like, people were trying to get high from binaural audio beats? Oh, dude, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I tried to do it. I tried to do it, too. Yeah, binaural, I, I, whatever, I read them as binaural beats, but yeah. Dude, I definitely jammed out some binaural, and people, it was, like, heavy in the maker community. Remember? They were, oh, like, yeah, making dude. those yeah, things. Yeah, they're like, dude, this, like, is, this is, like, biohacking. Bro. Totally. I was so into it. I tried to induce, like, um, lucid dreams and stuff with the binaural beats. Yeah. I tried to do all sorts yeah, yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Getting high off audio, dude. But then every yeah, once dude. in a while, haven't you had experiences where you're getting high off audio? Uh, like, like, just music? catching a quick buzz? No, For like, music. a tone or something. Yeah, not, like, no. a more abstract way, but, like, literally, like... Your brain's just like... I mean, I've definitely had the thing where it's like, my ears are weird because of this tone. I've gotten like a little head buzz, you know? A little head buzz off some audio. Off some audio. So occasionally I like sneak my headphones, you know, like, and just totally, totally ripped on on frequencies that's cool maybe we'll maybe you know we'll see i wouldn't <laughs> promise anything maybe we'll sneak a little binaural beats into the outro oh of this episode. that'd be cool it would be pretty cool catch a quick yeah, audio buzz trippy what? Hot. What? <laughs> uh, so yeah yeah dude that was a that was a wild time um something happened to me today deke that seems not true so i uh i sp- let me just say, I don't know. Somebody at GitHub sent me money as an apology for the So PayPal I listened thing. to your I'm Salty I just episode. deleted it, but tell me about it. You deleted? The, I did. They paid you off? Yes. They bought your loyalty? Yes. Tell me about the episode. You're a shill. Yeah, what do you think about the episode? All right. Well, this is good because now that you've deleted this ep- that episode, this is the only record of that yeah, that yeah, will yeah, ever yeah. exist. Right. Caleb was salty because GitHub robbed him of four grand a month by like ninja canceling PayPal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, do you understand the reason it was canceled now? Um, I 
do and have understood it to a degree. Like I, I can't tell. I, there was one call I had with GitHub folks where they were like, okay, kind of off the record, you know, that it, that gave me enough of like, okay, I, I believe you, you had to do this or bad things were going to happen. So uh-huh. your hands were kind of tied. But I still sort of stand by like, well, that's not my problem. Like, it's my problem that you you effed up. And then, (laughs) yeah, that's a you problem. But it's at least like they're not, um, you know, like just making a business decision that that like hurts me. Yeah, it's not like they're doing it for like a percentage. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Right. Which is what I thought initially. But yeah, okay. So there's that. So, So they basically were like, no more PayPal payments for GitHub sponsors. Yeah. Turns out in the region of four grand a month worth of Caleb's subscriptions. Yeah. Um, we're using PayPal payments. So now Caleb is much, much less of a rich boy because he's being robbed by big Microsoft, big Gates. Yeah. Um, big G. So Caleb gets all pissy about it and he fucking gets him on the horn and he gives him a piece of his mind. And then uh, they still are like, oh, well, would you like to speak to some developers about how GitHub sponsors is amazing? And he was like, sure thing, can do. Um, And then he was like, oh, but I have to tell them about platform risk and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, don't lie to them. Uh, So that was part of the episode. And then I think at the end of the day, the thing was just like, ah, it sucks, man. And they said that, oh, they said a bunch of people were going to, they said they were going to make a big effort to get people to transfer over. Um, Mm -hmm. and then the number that they said was like the worst case number was really close to the number that happened. Yeah. Meaning no one transferred over. Yeah. Okay. So then catch up to today. Someone just handed you a bag of money. Yep. How big of a bag? I can't, I'm not going to give you any details on record. Um, okay. Well, off record, you better as hell. Of course I'll tell you anything you want. Um, Um, but this is what happened. So I did the GitHub accelerator talk. Mm-hmm. And which just like, by the way, on the side, I mean, that was just, it consumed way too much of my time, but I, it's like one of those things that it's like, there's no better talk for me to give in the world than like, there's no better situation of like that audience of people who want to do exactly what I've done. And, and I can just like tell them everything, you know? So it just seems like one, it was an opportunity I want to take advantage of because it was so perfect. Like, I just felt like these people could benefit so much from a bunch of yeah. this experience that I have, like you've been you've been fiending for a mentee, exactly, exactly, dude. If I mean, if I go like if I spoke anywhere about any of this stuff, nobody would care. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like the right thing. Uh-huh. Where like this, there's like they're like here's the perfect audience for you. Here you go. Yeah. So I felt like uh-huh. even though like wasn't getting paid, it's it's just twenty people. I still put it like days, you know into this thing you're a force multiplier yeah so um anyway so did the talk and it went you know really well and the talk is basically me just listing out everything i've tried and how much money i've made with each and then just some tips of like this maybe don't try this or try this whatever um went super well and then today i got a message from a high up at github that was like um a high up at github not in the sponsors you know area not in the communications department like none of the sort of smaller sub departments, like a more kind of broad, like GitHub level person was just like, Hey, I sent you some money. Like, I just wanted to like, like, thanks for doing the accelerator program. Like that was, that was really good. Everybody loved it. Um, 
you know, again, we're sorry about whatever. I'm going to skip the paperwork and whatever and just pay you, you know, money. Like, and so, Sick. so they did. Um, That's dope. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. We love that. And then, you know, they were um, like, obviously this is not going to, this doesn't even cover, of course. And it doesn't, I, I wouldn't, exp- I, I mean, it would be great if they were just like, you know what? We're going to pay you four grand a month indefinitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it, it was a token. It wasn't like a big uh-huh. lump sum that like is going to change my they life. They give you 200 grand. But it was a token. Um, yeah. Well, so I'll say it was less than $1,000. Um, oh. Yeah. So I wanted to at least tell you that so you're not oh. like, so you're not so I was happy thinking about it. 25 grand. Ha. No. <laughs> Although they okay. did say. So I'm, I'm up to like. That's a very different number than I was thinking. Okay, I'm close sorry. to having made eight hundred thousand on GitHub sponsors over the lifespan. That's still um, and they so they what just happens, what happens if you cross a mill? I I don't know. I either write a blog post and get a bunch of views, or just don't say anything. Um, mm-hmm. But they in a slide yesterday they showed. I I think this this is going to be public. I don't know. I. This is probably public stuff, right? How much revenue no they've made? No one listens to this podcast. No one listens to, no this. Listens to this. They made like thirty-three million so far, or they they processed thirty-three million in sponsorships on the platform. So you're like I'm like close a to freaking thirtieth of, of you're like five percent. You're like five percent of all of GitHub. Is that insane? Yeah, not five percent. Is that how that works? Well, three percent. Yeah, something like that. Three percent. Is that how that yeah, works? Thirtieth is three percent. Three times oh, yeah, thirty. Okay is 90 yeah so you're sure. like three point something three percent um isn't that wild i don't know that's that was insane. just wild i was like oh wow you know that seems like a big number but then when you think about like you know it's been around for four years and a lot of you know there's a lot of people on it i'm not i'm mm-hmm. not saying like in a derogatory way that it's a small number i'm just saying that i was surprised what my one ratio of income on the podcast, is <laughs> one thing you did mention on the podcast is like what if i was the king of github sponsors like should i become the king of github sponsors yeah. would i take that job if it was offered to me right they should a thousand percent offer you that job. Yeah, I, um, and that that's partially why, not for that reason of like actually getting the job. That's partially that's why I keep taking down these shit posts because I do them in rage, and then I remember like, um, the the Mad Men episode where Don Draper does like a hit piece on the cigarette company, thinking he's going to be like a hero, but then in actuality, nobody wants to touch him because they know that there's a risk that he's going to put out a hit piece on them. He's not like. You know, he he bites the hand that that feeds him, kind of thing. Sure. And so I don't want to be a guy that bites the hand that feeds me. And so they sent that token. They didn't do it to take down the blog, the podcast. They didn't know I had it up. You know, nobody listens to my podcast either, so it didn't even matter. But but after they did that, I was like, that is a legit move. Like they've done. I think that I think they've done what they can. You know, I, I think I'm happy. Like I think I just want to be happy. So I'm going to take uh, it down. I'm telling you right now, they have not done what they could. Yeah, yeah. But I, I want to be... It was less yeah. than $1,000. That is I know, nothing. I know. It's a token. It was definitely a token. But it was a to- It was a monetary token. To me, that that's yes. like a big deal. That somebody mm-hmm. was like, you know what? Here's some cash. Yeah. Out of my pocket. You poor open source developer. Yeah, yeah. You starving. Oh, no, come on mass. though, right? Like somebody out of their yeah, own no. pocket at the helm somewhere at GitHub gave me money. And I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. That's that's a nice. I it's like, you can't be mad. You know, if somebody is just all words and they don't put any money behind it, and you're like, oh, you're just, you know, you got all the words to say, but until I see some money, you know, right? Yeah. Like that's right. Now, now they've actually given me money, and so there's the temptation to be like, sorry, my peaking dude. Mm-hmm. And there's the temptation to be like, 
like oh you think you just throw money at this <laughs> you know it's, like, yeah. it's like i just gotta be i need to recognize for what it is is like not, not say like oh you think this covers it just be like you apologized and you gave me some money so yeah. i think it's you've reasonably done what you can do i don't know yeah sure so whatever I mean, they could they, they could have done 50 grand for sure yeah yeah that has been nice but yeah so so yeah dan cole there you go so 33 so what's their that wait they don't charge a commission right oh they only they charge do the, orgs, the orgs, orgs now, yeah. right i forgot that whole story where, where your sponsors are getting fucking mugged for money yeah yep that's so yeah dumb. i don't want to be like the bad dude because i like that happened i emailed them i tweeted and i did that that shit podcast so i had like three pieces of like shit pieces out there but dude so i gave this accelerator talk they're gonna release it at some point publicly oh, nice. um i wonder if they'll edit out the parts where i talked about sponsors negatively about platform risk i didn't do it. it i think it was well done um but i got to the part i i didn't even say i'm not sure i said the words four thousand dollars i'm not sure i said the words like totally boned me um <laughs> but i did say i did say like the words platform risk i did say yeah. diversify i might have said eggs in one basket kind of thing and i definitely uh-huh. said that i used paddle for alpine components and i definitely said that if you ever think if you ever think there's any prospect of somebody buying you out and even if you don't think there is get your freaking income off of github sponsors personal accounts put it into an org account and yeah that's good advice but i when i in rehearsal i said like in fact get it out of github, get sponsors, out of GitHub sponsors you know yeah um which i don't know if that's 100 percent accurate i think a github sponsors account for an org is is just as valuable maybe not just as valuable but but still valuable to somebody acquiring you you know it's not as valuable as that much recurring revenue in stripe exactly. I'll tell you that. stripe is yeah. what's up get it in stripe yeah. that's the move yep get that in stripe yeah 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 yep so when are you releasing your GitHub sponsors competitor that is just a front end for Stripe? <laughs> yeah. I Caleb. Well, GitHub sponsors does subsidize the sponsorship still. Yes. So I'm not going to subsidize them. Well, no, but you should build the software and then the day they stop subsidizing launch. <laughs> so what's the so what's the GitHub spot but if so one of the advantages of GitHub sponsors is it's all, you know, integrated built into github yeah right so let's just assume that doesn't exist right yeah um but this would basically be something where it's like it you log in with github you create a sponsorship mm-hmm. or you'd like join you sponsor somebody right and then that unlocks things for them whether that's specific repos or whatever you know like mm-hmm. that that's the whole deal and maybe you add some little tooling, like some GitHub Actions that like automatically add sponsors' profile pictures to your readmes, mm-hmm. or you know whatever stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be pretty interesting if I just dedicated my life to like getting killing GitHub sponsors. To well, just to like <laughs> you literally bite the shit out of the hand that feeds you. <laughs> taking my moves as a formula, and both educating and providing the infrastructure for open source applications. And just like going after it hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think the market is there like at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's what I had a bit in my, like I was listing all these things I've tried and how much money I made. And I just, I definitely put in there. And uh, I did try building a SaaS app once. 
I only got to the landing page. It's called sponsor syrup. And I like forced myself to validate the idea before building any of it, which was so hard to do, but I did. And I checked that was like three years ago or something, maybe two. I have uh, 200 emails on that email list. So, so yeah, nobody cares except for people like me, which is not that many people. So go write more live wire stuff and don't worry about GitHub sponsors is the takeaway. That is the takeaway. Yeah. So yeah, there you go, Daniel. Daniel. But there's some people in the, they publicly released the cohort. So I can say this, it's uh. Um, there's some cool projects in that accelerator program. So there's 20 folks. They give them 20 grand uh, a piece for like two months or something like that. For so they give all of them 20 grand. They don't give you 20 grand. They don't give me 20 grand. You're right. That's a problem. Even you want to ex- you want to accelerate? That, that would be five months of the amount of money they stole from you. Yeah, give me 20 grand. Get up. Um, yeah. So they take 20 people. They give them each 20 grand for some amount of time so that they can get spun up and and make money on their own and so every week they do these these sort of guest speaking slots so there it's kind of like a boot camp for open source people who want to become self-sustainable and uh who want to become sustainable and the people in it i looked through every one of them and they're some pretty cool projects but there's htmx so car i think his name's carson yep nice um, i'm working closely with htmx cool um right now nice htmx is uh getting more cool. love uh, which is cool. which is cool because it's been around forever. Um, yeah, HTMX and what else? Oh, TRPC. That was probably you know HTMX has an Alpine uh, like a first party Alpine plugin that connects with Alpine Morph. Oh, cool. That lets you do like Alpine Morph style stuff awesome. with your HTMX component. So mm. if you like do an HTMX load that loads in a whole Alpine component, it can like maintain state and everything. Sweet, nice. I'm actually integrating that literally today tomorrow cool oh yeah because you yeah. dude the the i am i allowed to the say spreadsheet. that yeah the the python app that you're working on the yeah. django app is htmx uh-huh. for the the transfer back and forth that's cool um yeah so htmx put a pin in python what's well, that I'll come back put a pin in python i'll be back what do you mean oh because we want to talk about i'll it? be back to talk about python okay continue all right then i'll wrap this up here htmx and trpc which i was surprised to see on there uh-huh love it um no weird that weird that i think Weird that TRPC still exists. I guess it's necessary for React Native. Hmm. Why is it weird? Um, because server components. Oh, sure. Right. I just figured that like, it's not React only. Sure, but everything's going to do server components. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, like, TRP, but you still need it for React Native, right? Like, you can't do server-side rendering of React Native mm. components. True. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. So TRPC, it is funny watching Dan Abramov like constantly. He really gives a lot of people attention. You know, he's got he's one uh-huh. of those people who has a squeaky clean um, conscience about the code he writes. You know, about the about the project he works on. You know, sure. Like I think everybody has that part of you that's like fears somebody smarter than you coming and dismantling. You know some argument you have for something or whatever. He is just a hundred percent confident that his stuff is better than everybody else's and he's solved all the problems better. You know, it's like, um, and I don't say that like he's like an arrogant guy. I say that in like, he's a prepared guy and he, I don't know. He's confident anyway, rightly so. Um, but seeing like his battle with quick 
lately like that's like was just i don't know i don't, know. I don't keep track ran, of them. dude it's just every other day another framework is coming after him coming after react of course and so he's just and saying they're better yeah, yeah and just he's just always going out to each one and being like react does that or react doesn't even want to do that or like you're calling it this and you say react what we actually have is this and it's the reverse and we think it's better you know it's just funny nice. so trpc htmx nuxt like the next uh Ooh. you know views next um mm -hmm. so nuxt is in there and yeah a few a few other those are the ones that caught my eye and there's probably others that i'm forgetting but uh but hey, yeah. is, is evan you rich dude what does evan you, i don't know does if evan, evan you have you, a source of income that is a great question i have no idea because that dude Cause could in be my head so he's like he's like mega rich yeah but then it's like what does he do that makes money so anything the, can i think of anything the view docs has sponsorships um on it that are sure. fairly <clears throat> pricey and they have a lot of sponsors they're not even that pricey so my guess if i just had to just randomly throw something out there i bet he makes between 300 and 500 a year uh-huh from sponsors conferences and speaking, and, yeah. and like profit sharing from like view master classy stuff okay yep um but I have no idea. I, I don't see any product, any flagship product where it's like, oh, that dude's making millions, you know? Like, I can't believe, like, motherfucker built Vite, which, like, ran everything for a minute. <laughs> for, and, like, like, 10 profited minutes. profited nothing, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, I know. I can't imagine that that generated zero money, but I guess it did. Dude, I'm so sorry about this peaking, bro. I'm going to just... Yeah, you kind of moved down. back to Buffalo, and sorry. now you're all... I switched mics, all, dude. All a titter. Ah. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, I dude. hope Evan Yu's rich. I know he deserves to be rich. He deserves to be rich. He totally does. Of like all people, he might deserve yeah. to be rich, maybe the most. You know, I wouldn't say the. I wouldn't say the as most. As far as dude with popular software who did it all himself. You know, indie dude yeah. with popular software. Yeah, dude should be rich. View is, yeah, view is pretty I'm not huge saying he shouldn't be. I'm, I was the one who said he should be no, rich. I'm not just saying no, you he take should it be back the most now, rich. I'm, saying, I'm not saying he's the guy who most deserves to be rich. Don't play possum on me, Daniel. I'm dead. Uh, Daniel, I don't want to get to the hard stuff yet. I want to laugh more. Tell me something funny. Oh, okay, well, let me tell you. So I bought a new laptop. Yes, This is going to be a segue. The M3? I bought a new laptop. There's only two. Okay. There's only two M's. How many? I got an okay, M2. Two. I got the medium fast one. Okay. M2 Pro, 16 gigs RAM, 14 inch. Yep. Fast. Yep. Oh, I did. Um, so I, I ordered it for pickup at Best Buy. Okay. Then I went to Best Buy to pick it up, grabbed it, get to the car. I'm like, this is a 16 inch. I ordered a 14 inch. I went back in and I was like, oh no, I ordered a 16 inch, but I wanted a 14 inch. Really? You want the 14 inch, huh? Yeah. I've had a 16 inch for a while and it's just too big. So that is, dude, that's interesting, Daniel. Daniel, you know, wants well, I'm a not getting rid of my two 28 inch monitors. Right. Where I do all my work work. But when I'm not at a monitor, I want to be on a 14 inch. I mean, so I, last I remember of the 14 versus 16 predicament it's like yeah the specs are kind of the same sorta mm -hmm. but the 14 inch is slower in actuality and the fans are gonna yell and the 16 inch you'll never hear the fans and it's crazy fast cool well i've never heard the fans okay have you exported any video yet 
uh, I have crunched a lot of audio. We'll get to it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I have not heard the fans once. Yeah. Um, so you do anyway, have the 14. So I, I'm sorry. Did you switch it to the 14? I now have the 14. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it took me an hour and a half of standing there and then going and fucking off for an hour and a half and then coming back in order to ha- have them be allowed to hand me the laptop they had in their hand. Oh, my gosh. Because yeah. their database hadn't populated with my order yet, even though they had already given me the product. Okay. Um, it hadn't populated, so they, they couldn't process a return. Distributed databases. Yeah, not event source. No Kafka. <laughs> Um. <laughs> uh, super brief aside, the, who is this dude? His name is Ben. He's like a young dude who is good at talking and he wrote like maybe quick or something. He wrote like a JavaScript framework, but he okay. just did like a thing on, on like edge, you know, like edge functions over serverless and how it's like so much better or whatever. And it was just like a little footnote that like, oh yeah, like if, if you don't, if you don't need a central database and then like, that's kind of the fundamental underpinning of the whole argument but it was just like this quick little part where he just like erased the part where you need a database <laughs> like i don't know i'm maybe making fun of him in in he's a good dude and he's smart but I, i'm just like commenting on yet again like another one of the javascript things that i'm always looking at i'm just like what is wrong with you guys what you, like what are, what are you guys thinking what are you talking yeah. about okay anyway back to you um uh, you were saying man i want to talk about cids the, too the database but enough. that's another thing you were saying that you're yeah. So get- it just took me a long time to get the thing, but in the meantime, I'm like talking to this manager there, and she's like, "Yeah, like I'm holding the laptop. I'm holding both laptops in my hand, and I know the price difference of them, and I can't trade them right now. Like, sorry, but you in an hour, in anywhere from five minutes to four hours, I will be able to do that." Yeah. And it's like the worst type of news because you're like, oh, man, so that means I should either hang out here or definitely leave right now. So, like, which one? How far you is know? the Apple store for you? It's not. It's a Best Buy. Oh, it's like Buy. 20 minutes from my house. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so maybe I get in the car, drive home, get a call, drive back, you know. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going and, like, getting a getting a sandwich at a drive through and then, like, sitting in my car watching tiktok for an hour mm-hmm. and then going back to best buy <laughs> um it was funny anyway got a new computer had to get all my developer environment stuff set up on my new computer yeah as one does wouldn't you know python is a bear i destroyed seven consecutive hours trying to not consecutive seven non-consecutive hours trying to get my client's Django app running correctly on my new MacBook. Huh? Um, so many problems. Python is hard. Like the PHP problems, like oh, how do I get that one version or like there's a system version, but now I need like a homebrew version and all that. So that's step one is yeah. like there's a system version. And then I was like, oh, I'm from PHP land. I need a homebrew version. Uh-huh. So I do that. What do you learn? Actually, you shouldn't use the homebrew use version. The you, have to, you have to use PyEnv and then PyEnv uh-huh. will install its version. Okay. But if you install PyEnv through homebrew, which you can do, yeah, it's bad. So you actually have to then go all the way back and uninstall PyEnv, uninstall the brew version that you installed, 
then go get PyEnv and use their like curl to bash pipe mm. installer. Yeah. Because that installs PyEnv in a different way than Brew does. And that's the way that's actually good. And then you use PyEnv to install Python. But don't forget, there's Python 2 and Python 3. And you want the, your client has a bunch of scripts that use the word Python. And so you need to like use let PyEnv <laughs> have a global that points Python to Python 3. It's a whole thing. Anyway, eventually I got to work. It was a nightmare. Dude. But so I spent like four hours on it and then I was like, okay, I give up. I'm going to use my old computer. Yeah. So then I like used my old computer for a while and then it was late and I went to bed. Woke up the next day, called my client and I was like, yo, um, can we, can you help me? <laughs> um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we get on, he and I are on a call for two and a half hours and we like give up sad. Wow. We're just like, this is bad. Sorry. Uh, and he was basically like, well, I've got this other dev who's in Estonia or something. Uh, and we're, we have a call tomorrow morning. So like, let's do that. So then I hop on that call and we're on for an hour plus and finally get it working. So dark, dude. So dark. dark. When I run composer and I see like lib SSL something and like, it doesn't work. I am so pissed. I just want to whip my computer out the window why is this not a solved problem for languages? Like, why don't they just have some GUI? Like, every, you know, like different people have tried to do that. There's PHP Mon or something. I think I even use it. It's probably in my toolbar right now. Um, there's stuff, but it's like, how come there's not a unified interface for this stuff, you know? So there is actually a thing that I've learned about called RTX CLI. Mm -hmm. Dude, this is what there's a be. rust. Go ahead which is a rust dependency like builds build environment management cli okay so it's basically like like uh nodeenv or pyenv or any of these other like tools that manage like multiple versions of the same build system on your machine yeah but it's like universal so it like wraps up all the languages and it generates a dot file Hmm. And so the idea is you could commit your dot file to Git, and then when you switch computers, you just like pull in your dot file and run RTX CLI against your dot file, and it like goes and fetches all the correct versions and sets everything up correctly. Hmm. That's the dream. It didn't work that way for me, so I don't know. There needs to be a app like like that, but nice and works, and a GUI, and it needs to be called like web developers start here and any joe schmick can install it and then it's literally like you hit a plus icon and you go i want python or php or node and then it manages the version of the language and the package manager it installs and handles that for you um and then maybe a way to have multiple use multiple versions at once you know like in different apps specifically yep. but yep. man dude if that was available wouldn't that just be the bee's knees that would be the cat's meow. That would be incredible. Yeah. Gosh. Gosh. Dude, it's like everything's so user-friendly in most things until you get down to language invert and package managing stuff. And it's like, yeah. what are it's you dark. doing? It's dark quick. You know what's not dark when it comes to that is Rust, which is perfect always. No. I mean, I, I at least have memories wrestling with Rust in the Metaplex days of like trying to get whatever 
stuff. Going. We did it wrong because I've done it now. Yeah. It's so I guess simple. it is. It, it wasn't bad. The whole I think a lot of it was probably just me. The problem was anchor versions corresponding with Solana versions. Okay. That was the stuff we were fighting with was yeah. like the Solana versions and anchor. Oh, versions. yeah, dude. We wrestled hard with those yeah. freaking caskets or whatever. Casks. Casks. No, uh, crates. Crates. Casks or <laughs> barrels. Um, yeah, man. Dude, you know what? Okay. Better yet, no language specific package managers. A global package manager that just like handles that. Dude, language. I know. I know. We all want it. Okay, anyway. Talk to me about Rust, Daniel. Dude, Rust is fun. So here's the thing with Rust. Because we only have 10 so, minutes left, by the way. I have a hard stop. In you 10 know, minutes. that's crazy. I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> I'll get going. <laughs> like, so you know that our podcast is edited by a robot. Um, and the robot is written in Go. And the Go robot is a wrapper around FFmpeg. 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 And so what the Go robot does is it takes in your MP3 and my MP3 and the intro MP3 and the outro MP3 and it like merges and level normalizes us and then slaps the intro music and the outro music on the end. Yeah. So that's what it does. I was like, well, I want to learn Rust. I'm going to rewrite this tool in Rust. So I did. And then I was like, I don't want to do this the dumb guy way. I'm not using FFmpeg. I'm going to learn how audio streams work. Of course. And I did. Sweet. And it works. Okay. Then I was like, this is too slow. Okay. I'm going to do this an even smarter way. So let me explain. First, let's talk about how audio streams work. Because yep. this is mad interesting. Do you know how audio streams work? No. Okay. What if I told you audio is just a big array of numbers? Okay. And each number, so you know audio is a wave, right? Familiar. Picture a wave, right? Got it. The number, each number is what the height of that wave is, the amplitude of that wave okay. is at the current, at current slice. time. And what so then is there's the 40, scale of those numbers? 48,000 of them per second. Or no, 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 not 1, the of them per bit second. rate or whatever the um, the like amplitude, whatever that would be. Sure, I actually don't know. Oh, because that's um, another because there's bit rate, which is like the x-axis, but the y-axis is what's that? That's something uh, else. Like that's another form yeah, of fidelity. Yeah, yeah. Like how many slices mm -hmm. it's sliced into. Well, it's like how big of an integer are you using? Okay, so like so, in what you're using, what's like an app? What's the average max? Sixteen bit in integers. Right, like what's like if you what's that average maximum number on this graph? Uh, I guess I don't know. Okay, all right. So because you don't really see the, I don't really see the. Numbers. I see. Okay, so all right, you're telling me audio is an array of integers, and each integer is the amplitude of a wave at a given time. Correct. Okay. And then there's like forty-eight thousand of them per second. Okay. Right. So then there's stuff where it's like, okay, so if say I wanted to. Um, increase the audio by 30 percent what would i do i would just across the board oh, multiply the, all of those numbers times 1.3 right so then you're just like okay now that thing's like 30 percent louder See, that's cool. say i wanted to merge two slices of audio right like a caleb track and a daniel track uh -huh. what do i do i just add all the fucking numbers oh, wait, together. you have to ask me before you tell me sorry um well, that's what you do you add them all together so you add them together. That's crazy. I mean, I know that's how it works. Like when you 
combine when you have like two audio sources and you have a microphone, if there's a microphone listening to me and you talk. It doesn't know who I am. and doesn't know who you are. The waves and the waves are how do sound waves even work? Are they additive when they they're both yeah, additive so, and subtractive? Oh, yeah, because it's positive and negative. Yep. So that's how it works. So it's it not works. just like you're adding two arrays of numbers together or you are, but some values are negative. Right. So sometimes it's subtracted. Because okay. that's important, right? Like the numbers inside yep. that array have to yep. like converge at zero. Like zero is just uh -huh. nothing. And then Com zero is nothing. Yeah. Isn't it cool? Very cool. Highly okay. cool. Wait a second. So then Hold on. audio. Right. Because like silence, because you, you might think like if you're recording audio, it would be like zero is the silence floor and any amount uh -huh. of noise is above zero. But this is mapping to like waves, which have a push and a pull on like a right. microphone diaphragm that right. make it like a positive signal and a negative signal. And so when I say you multiply by 1.3, yeah. you also multiply the negative numbers by 1.3. Yes. Right? So you're you're not just moving everything up. Mm, you're ah. moving the the positive numbers up and the negative numbers yeah, down. Right. You're zooming in. Right. Okay. You're zooming in. Okay. It's interesting, I'm right? very I'm loving this. <laughs> it's so cool. Okay. Um so then there's all these other things where it's like, okay, well, say you wanted like a noise floor. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. Wait, wait. Can I guess? Um, yeah. So you, like if you have um, static in the background or something and you want to just remove like that threshold of, of noise or whatever, I guess uh -huh. you would. You want to just say like a, a sound has to be like a, a gate, a noise right. gate, which basically says a sound has to be X loud or louder. Yeah. So you would just have like a map with a conditional inside of it. That's like, if the number is not greater than this return zero. It's correct. Interesting, dude. <gasps> Isn't this sick? It's so sick. Okay. So here's what I did. I did. So first I did the like dumb guy who kind of understands audio implementation, uh -huh. right? Which is like, so I'm using, I am using a library to decode MP3 files into audio streams. Sure. Because I don't hate myself. Right. Because um, that, I'm very curious about that. Next episode, please learn that, Daniel. I have already looked into it. It's pretty cool. You got to do like header but, BS and stuff, right? To like, well, then... there's header BS regardless, but okay. with MP3s, you also have to do the MP3 compression algorithm, <laughs> which is a thing which and... used to be copyrighted for a long time and you weren't allowed to do anything. Oh. Um, but now is not. Dude, I anyway. want to know about the compression and decompression algorithm for MP3s. Okay, I don't know this fully, so I can't speak to it as expertly as I can the other stuff, which I've actually implemented. Right. But this stuff is, it's interesting. So basically, like, there's a bunch of, like, audio psychology okay. that's been done about, like, when this tone is playing, you can't hear this other tone. Or, like, you can't perceive this other tone. Mm. So the fact that this tone is playing is going to cause you to not perceive this other and tone. And that's a psychological phenomenon, not, like, a physical phenomenon it's of, a like, psychological wave phenomenon. cancellation or something? No, it's a psychological phenomenon. Fascinating. It's, like, how the human audio, in-ear audio processing works. Mm. Um, or, like, in-brain in audio yeah, processing. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, they basically, a bunch of, like, brain science guys did a bunch of like research about like what the rules are about like when you can and can't hear just certain combinations of things right yeah. and then mp3 is basically an implementation of all of those rules to be like okay so if there's a bunch of stuff i can't hear i can just delete that data and not include it 
what in the file come on bro yeah come on Dude, and so that's, that's what that's what audio compression oh. is is it's basically like using brain hacks to be like i mean in addition to like regular compression right which is like you know oh if there's like 10 minutes of silence we can just say like this continues sure. for the next 10 minutes right um so that's just normal compression like you would have in jpegs or zips or anything right, right? right or right. it's like if there's big chunks of similar stuff yeah. make them the same <laughs> abstract them right. yeah abstract um, them but uh but no like actual mp3 lossy compression is if there's so first of all you have like normal lossy compression which is like if these values are really close to each other let's just pretend they're the same and then that allows us to abstract more stuff right these values are really close to each other so like if our scale is like the entire 16 bit integer space yeah right which is like a huge number of numbers yeah. quadrillions of numbers right um and i see an 11 and a 10 right next to each other i'm just going to pretend that they're both tens but then you have because it then you have to have some sort of thing to smush them together so it takes up less space right yeah yeah so in, you know how i said like if there was a big chunk of zeros yeah, uh -huh, in a row right. we'll just we'll just call yeah. we'll just save that down to two bytes I or something see, yeah this is like so yeah. what if there was like a big chunk of zeros and ones right or zeros, ones, and threes. Yeah, yeah. We'll, it's like, well, let's just pretend they're all zeros. Yeah, you and then we can compress them like we could compress a zero. Yeah, I want to know how that works. Like, because they must have some sort of like placeholder and then some multiplier of like, this is the average value for this amount of slots. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Go on. I think it has to do with root mean square calculation, but that's something else for another time. Um, <laughs> of course. That's of course. It's math stuff. It's wave stuff. Waves. Um, there's a lot of wave math, by the way. I People bet. be doing math about waves. I bet, dude. Um, anyway, the uh, so there's like that sort of basic calculation, but then there's also all this audio psychology calculation, which is like, okay, well, if these two tones are playing simultaneously, this one's going to be inaudible, so like delete all that data. And like, it's just crazy. Wait, say that again. You can even just repeat it, that bit, that last chunk. Like if, say, like there's a chord playing, yeah. right? Uh -huh. That's like A1, A2, A3, yeah. and then like a C, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You're going to be able to hear A2, A3, and C, but you're not going to be able to hear the A1. Okay. Your brain's going to reject the A1. Because of the psychology. Right, the psychology. so then it removes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it just removes that sure. data. Sure, totally. So it's yep. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, cool. Got it. Okay. Thank you for indulging me on the MP3 compression tangent. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's super interesting. I'm not, that's a, I'm literally already out of my depth. The things I've said are already where I'm like, I'm not certain that everything I said was true. Yeah. Um, but that's MP3 stuff. Dude, it sounds true. Once you get the MP3s into an audio stream, okay. which is just an array of 16-bit integers, mm -hmm. that's where things get real interesting. I love it. Um, so anyway, I um, so I did the dumb guy thing, right? Which is like read Caleb.mp3. So in uh, in Rust, there's a struct called a vector, and a vector is just uh, an array that doesn't have a defined size. So arrays in Rust, you have to say how big they are. Okay. Vectors, you don't have to say how big they are. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yep. 
So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take this MP3 file and I'm going to turn it into a vector of i16s, okay. which are 16-bit integers. Yep. Um, so I did that. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to take this other audio file and I'm going to turn it into a vector of i16s. Okay. I'm like, okay, I've done that. And I'm going to figure out which of them is longer. Yep. And then I'm going to do a for loop that says for zero to mm. the final length of the, the longest one. array. Oh, okay. Right. Or the longer Whatever, one, yeah. right? Then uh, take the two things, add them together. If one of them doesn't exist, it's a zero. Add that to the other one. Okay. Right? Yep. And then take all of that stuff and like put it into a new array. Yeah. So now, boom, I've got merge yeah. of me and Caleb's audio, right? Oh my gosh, um, and it works? It works. Oh, that's so cool. It's, it, and so then I'm like, okay, now I've got this new array of numbers that is like me and Caleb's audio. Now like prepend this other audio that's the intro music and postpend this other music audio that's the outro music yeah. and then write that to an MP3 file. Okay. Right? Yeah. So that's cool. It's cool. It's slow as dog shit. <laughs> Why is it slow as dog shit? Well, I'm reading an entire MP3 file into RAM. Okay. Then I'm reading another entire MP3 file into RAM. Then with both of those, let's say the combined size of those two MP3 files is like 600 megs or something, right? So we've got like 600 megs. I, I think ours are usually like 200 megs each um, for a two-hour podcast, right? Yeah. So like now I've got like 400 megs already in RAM. And now I'm going to make another equally sized array, which is another 200 megs right. uh, in RAM. Yep. And then I'm going to take that one and then write it to a file so i don't start writing the output file until after i've already so i don't start merging until i've read both files all the way into ram yeah then i merge and then i write all of that stuff into a file yeah very slow what i want is streaming, streaming. so i want give me the first two audio samples from the two files yeah. merge them down to one audio sample write that audio sample to the output file yep. Then give me the next two samples, right. merge them, write them. Yep. Next two, merge them, write them. So I've done it. I've got async. I'm Sick. so the only problem is I don't have an async MP3 writer just yet. Oh, okay. So you got to collect it all still in the so, memory and then write it. Right now, I'm just writing a wave file. Yeah. Um, because okay. I can write wave files asynchronously. Sure. I so can see I will... the MP3 async writing bit being a little bit interesting Sketchy. yeah because yeah. waves just straight up but yeah you because i was even th like my brain's kind of going ahead to like what if you wanted a low pass filter to like write your own sure well the normalization that's the next thing i need because it do. needs to be contextual like that that's the part right. that is like so you need to clearly capture like buffer sizes to little like you know lower fidelity samples yep. to compare yep, yep, yep. different slices and do whatever okay yep. so i'm probably getting it's ahead coming it's all coming right, dude all right dude so that's stuff i haven't built yet but yeah okay where i'm at now is like i have this streaming intake merging outputting to a wave file stuff Ooh. going on it's so i've got a progress bar i was just showing this to you before the show i showed you the progress bar you're yep. like oh it's a progress right. bar. <laughs> sweet you don't even know you sweet don't even know what's involved <laughs> um so len uh who is a guy in the community freelancer guy who worked with us on Blathead a little bit um he has been doing some pairing with me on it just when he's bored and i'm bored we'll like pair on it a little bit yeah it's really fun dude it's a blast um 
I think there's a bunch of speed optimization still to be had. Um, so right now I am reading both MP3 files in the same thread. Yeah. Which means that really they're not reading in parallel. Yeah. So what I need to do is spawn separate threads Sick. to read them. Dude, so you that need they're to write reading... this in Go so you don't have to deal with the threads. Well, no. So channels, the stuff in Go, yeah. it exists in Rust, baby. What? People wrote an implementation in Rust. Sweet. It's cool. I can do all that shit in Rust. Cool, so you don't have to worry about like if they don't have multi-threading or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So uh, channels. Uh, so yeah, that's what I need to do. I need to basically spawn channels or spawn. Yeah. They're basically channels. Um, and each of them will do the file reading on their own. And then they'll write to a single channel and then that channel will act as a stream and looping that stream will be like my main loop where I do the merges. Yep. Anyway, it's super cool. Very, very cool. So the stuff I want to build next is normalization. Yep. Um, so what I'm going to do for normalization is basically, um, mm. so I'm going to build a noise gate too, right? So I'm basically going to say like anything below this number I'm counting as silence. Yeah. Right. So that will just eliminate kind of just like like a low hiss or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so then I'll take the noise gate and then anything, any samples that pass the noise gate, yeah, I will write, I'll like add them to a sum, hmm. you know? Yep. And then I'll also increment the number of samples in this sum, hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I'll basically say like, Okay, over the next, say, uh, 200,000 samples. Yeah. Right? Which would be like five seconds. Okay. Right? Yeah. Over the next two or four seconds, over the next 200,000 samples, tell me how many of them were not silence. Okay. And then add all of the ones that were not silence together. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And then divide that number by the number of samples that you so basically give me the average volume of right. a sample that wasn't silence hmm. over this amount of time so do that for me do that for caleb figure out the difference between those numbers yeah. and then add a volume multiplier to one of them uh, so that the average is the same cool so you're not you're it's a normalization relative to each other Relative to each other, right? Because we want to be want relatively to be the, same. the same volume. Right. But the issue is we're never talking at the same... Well, that in a perfect world, we would never be talking at the same time. Hold on, what? <laughs> we talk over each other all the time. But like, there's big chunks of time where it's like, okay, I can't just... I can't predictively choose a chunk of time and say that like, right. Daniel's volume compared to Caleb's volume at this time. And like, that's it. Because most of the time when you're talking, I'm not talking. Or when I'm talking, you're not talking. Yeah. And so it would, if we did that, it would say like, oh, well, Caleb's volume is super fucking low. All it is is like his house sounds right. or whatever. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's why you have to reject all the silence. Right. Yep. Totally. Otherwise anyway, you get that, um, you know, when like trying to think that, like what, what have I recently had to deal with this on where you're talking and then the silence like turns into loud hissing and then. Oh, right. it's just the worst sounding thing. Like TV, yeah, sometimes TVs thing. do that and it sounds yep. like garbage. Um, okay. So audio processing, right. So the, you're talking about the normalization taking like frames of samples. Uh -huh. um, so I think what I'm actually going to do is, so 
in Rust with you can do if you have an iterator, yeah. you can walk it by an interval. Okay. So I'm just gonna walk it by an interval where it's like I'm gonna take let's say a uh, hundred thousand random samples from each track mm -hmm. or like so however many i have to skip to get like a hundred thousand e evenly distributed samples from each track yeah and then i'll reject all the ones that are silence mm. and then do the averaging that way it's like you have the best chance of getting sort of the real average volume mm. interesting because you're not using a certain frame where like the chances of there being a frame where one is talking and the other is not talking is really high. Dude, I could But if see you average it across the entire length of the file. You should ask ChatGPT about audio normalization algorithms because I bet there's, I bet it goes so deep. Yeah. And yeah. like the goal Well, here... this is where root mean square happens. Okay. So the root mean square is basically like the average amplitude of a wave. Okay. But I'm... My thing is I need to also think about this in terms of streaming. So root mean square... Is it like you take a bunch of numbers, you add them together, you square it, you take the square root? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And somehow that, or maybe you like, maybe you like square them individually and then add them together and then take the root. I don't know. Or take, I don't know. There's probably something there. Um, okay. In estimation theory, okay, root mean square da, 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 is defined as a square root of the mean square, which is the arithmetic mean of the squares of the set. The RMS, also known as a quadratic mean, um, ba -ba 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 -ba. so it's used for alternating electric current in common waveforms. If the waveform is a pure sine wave, the relationship between the amplitudes peak to peak and RMS are fixed and known as they are for any ba -ba 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 -ba. uses. Oh man, there's so much math notation here. Right. I'm I'm just trying to I think of like how how it would you know, like if you square something and then take the square root, you're back to where you started. So like clearly there's something in here that has to make it like take advantage of the the averaging like some No, it's the square of the mean. Okay. It's not the square root of the square. I got it's you. the square of the okay, mean. Okay, great, yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's interesting. Like, like uh, rather than taking the maximum amplitude, you take the square of the middle of, you know, the wave. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so this is actually called Parzival's theorem. So th the interpretation of this form of the theorem is that the total energy of a signal can be calculated by summing power per sample across time or spectral power across frequency so basically yeah that's the idea say it again it's similar to what i was doing basically where it's like you're going to take a bunch of things add them together yeah. and then sum them or and then divide them yeah but then you're also going to square that right okay which also like removes i guess some variance sure or something. right right i okay. don't exactly yeah. know why um i um shout out to cousin john who i'm going to tell to listen to this episode this dude is like dedicated his life to audio geekery oh um, no shit oh yeah like he well he get him in here bro he, he, dude he <laughs> I he has tried to explain these concepts to me so many times of like all the crazy things that happen 
with waves, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, phase cancellation and phase cancellation. So cool. All, all different forms of that and different mic arrays to like, you know, I don't know. It's, I, I can't oh, even, dude, like, that would be a really cool thing to build in rust would be like real time noise canceling. That would, that would be so cool. Oh my gosh, dude. Like it just like listens I, to your microphone and then cancels. Real time processing of audio in general to me feels so cool. Like if I could literally have, if I could be speaking, like I'm speaking in my mic right now and I'm hearing it in my headphones. If I could be yeah. editing a Rust file or editing some, you know, any programming language where I'm like modifying a array, um, you know, like transformer, like changing uh -huh. the contents of a map and hearing that difference as I, when I hit save, and then I, I can test it by just being like, how does this sound? And then I could write like auto-tune. Well, the crazy thing you know, is, well, the crazy thing is I already know how to generate a sound, a sine wave, you know? Like, okay. Because I, I do you. that. Yeah. Some, some of my tests I've written are like uh, generate a one second sine wave and write it to an MP3 file and test that the MP3 file contains what I think it contains. Uh-huh. Yeah, dude, that's um, actually pretty interesting. Uh, sine wave, so like, yeah. I can generate a sine wave at any frequency I want. So like mine are all like at 440. So it's just like generating an A at 440. Yeah. Um, oh, my Lanta, Daniel. You need to make a synthesizer. I know. Eventually. I have already thought like eventually. I know, but I have to get through this first. Oh, my gosh, dude. So the, the, the big, it seems to me like a giant leap here in audio processing foo is when you get into frequencies. It's like when you can yeah. process frequencies because like what we were talking about is just slices of time. Yeah. Where you can actually, you know, like a, like a low pass filter, a high pass filter filters out. It's not an amplitude filter. It's, you know, it's a frequency filter. So somehow, you know, right, it, right. it has so to now you're detect talking over time. Yeah. Over time. It has to detect over time certain frequencies you know, be like, oh, like there's audio. Yeah, I don't know what frequency. math that is. I don't either. I bet I know like the big like math concept to learn with all this stuff is with frequency stuff is Fourier transforms. Familiar with those? Googling. It's, it's like this funnel. I, I'll just tell you so that the listener can have like a quick fun time learning about it. But picture this. But I mean, I guess the short of it is like you take, you know, if if if, if you and I sing two different notes, pure different notes and the the wave that a microphone picks up contains both of those signals added together so you can't yeah. just look at one and tell the other one fourier transforms it's math that allows you to tease out the underlying it's like being able to reverse an additive process which is crazy like it feels like so it i could be basically possible. so i could like take a mix and then take your audio and like subtract your audio from the mix and somehow get my audio yeah but it it doesn't work in that sense what you could do is extract the different underlying frequencies so you could at any given point you could learn what are all the different you know frequencies like if i pluck a string on a guitar you know it's not just if i pluck in the e string it's not a perfect e you know right it has all sorts of different frequencies combining in like harmonic frequencies to create that sound uh -huh. that's why like a guitar e string sounds different than a piano and sounds different than a pure sine wave so you could like use that to extract out all the underlying frequencies it basically like the best way that i've heard it described is like and this is i think when it was discovered is measuring tides so you know how like the tides sure. ebb and flow with like the moon Hold yeah 
your face is in in the in front of Daniel's not listening to me. He's showing. I just me. I just wanted to show you this animated GIF that I was seeing on the Wikipedia page. Why? What is? It's just crazy. What is this spinning bar with the sticks on it and shit? Oh, it's probably a visualization of how you can like tease out the. Yeah, I don't know. I should definitely check that out. Um, but Daniel. Anyway. So a like if you you know the moon affects the tides yes so if you have like um a bobber you know sitting on the water and you want to like graph you know the height of that bobber over time you could see you know the phase of the moon you could see that it would be a single frequency but the sun also impacts the tides just in a lesser way and sometimes you know those phases add together sometimes they cancel so if you have that bobber and you graph it, you're not going to get a perfect sine wave anymore. You're going to get a weird wave. But underneath that weird wave is a perfect sun sine wave and a perfect moon sine wave. So you could apply yeah, a yeah, Fourier yeah, yeah, transform yeah. mathematically to tease out those two separate waves and get back to the underlying waves. So this I is see. how you can take a single audio signal that has a zillion different frequencies and tease out specific bands and then That's lob crazy. them off to create like a high pass or low pass filter or do whatever, you know. And that's yeah, how you would yeah. do like auto tune type stuff. Or, you know, I don't know, but they would do yeah. it. Yeah. So you got to learn about that, bro. Uh, that's that's the problem for another day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, audio. Dude. It's I love this. Is like a breakthrough to me that just thinking about audio in terms of a simple array of numbers. That that is the breakthrough right there. Yeah, dude. Well, once I like got in because I was like, forever I've been like dependent on FFmpeg to FFmpeg. deal with audio. FFmpeg. FFmpeg. Because, I, but like, I knew underlying, I was like, well, dude, like, it's computers. Like, yeah. Underlying, it must come down to primitive types. Mm. You know? Yeah. But like, I just don't understand what the primitive types are and how they're used and stuff. And it makes you know? sense that like audio of all the gnarly things is the most accessible. Like, if you mm -hmm. wanted to do some of this stuff with like video stream processing, It'd be crazy. You would have to figure out like pixels and colors and and brightness and stuff. Like, it would be even just like let's say that there's a what's like the equivalent of a wave file, but for video. I don't even know. Raw when you shoot raw like footage, ProRes is that raw what that or is? something? Yeah. yeah. Like, is there an equivalent where it's literally like? There's uh, an integer for every okay, single well, pixel in this signal and its color profile and its brightness profile. So let me you know? let me talk to you about so channels. We haven't even talked about channels, right? So like we record, we bounce MP3s that are in stereo. Oh, right, yeah. So there's a left and a right. Yeah. So the way that that's represented, it's just every other number in the array. So the first number is left, the second number is right, the third oh. number is left, the fourth number is Dude. right. And oh, so that's crazy. there is some like weird stuff that you have to do if you want to like, right. mix mono with process. stereo or something. You have to like reject some of them right. or double some of them. Or even process, but, like, you know, anything spanning over time. Oh, like we said. Caleb, I didn't even tell you about my resampling function. Okay. I have a resampling function that, so the first time I oh, wrote it. okay. So, like, say sometimes this happens. To upsample or downsample one of our... Sometimes you give me a 44.1 oh, and cool. I have a 48. Yeah. And you have to merge them, yeah. right? Uh -huh. And so either I'm going to downsample or upsample, right? Right. Oh, so I, How do you know the sample signature of the file? It's in the metadata. Okay. Um, but, Caleb, I 
didn't I googled nothing. I straight from my brain parts Sweet. invented an algorithm for upsampling and downsampling. So. And it's so effing good. Wait, let me just guess so, how you would do it. Sure. So if let's say you have double the samples that I Forget have. Forget about the streams. Forget about the streams. Just imagine you're looping through two arrays. Okay, yeah. Right? So I would start by... The same logic yeah, applies right, to the streams, but it's harder to I would about. loop through the higher fidelity array first because I'd want to make the lower fidelity array match the higher fidelity. So I, I'm, Okay, so that's upsampling. Okay, yeah. So I, I would upsample the so lower I have a sample. Single, I have a single function yeah. which can take a source sample rate and a destination sample rate yeah okay and an up or down. either up sample or down sample. right okay so let's just say you have like i submit a lower sample rate than you so you have this function and you just want to like you could take the sample rate that you have i want to up sample mine to your sample rate yeah i mean i would have in that loop so i mean i would in the i would have like a conditional to be like huh as as time increases so if it's just a for loop like as those numbers increase every so often double one of the you know just repeat one of the items yep. uh -huh. and that that every so often bit that i just said is somehow a ratio of the difference in sample rate you know yes it's very close okay um so here's what i do right so i calculate the sample rate ratio right yeah, okay so sample rate ratio is input sample rate mm. over output sample rate, yep. right? So let's say, let's just use even numbers. So two and four, right? Yep. So say my input sample rate was two and my output sample rate was four. Yeah. Then my sample rate ratio is 0.5. Yep. In the other case, say my input sample rate was four and my output sample rate was two, then my sample rate ratio is two. Okay. Right? So then I do a loop. Mm-hmm. And I say, if there is, okay, so then I have an index, which is a float, Okay. right? Mm -hmm. So it's a loop with a float index rather mm -hmm. than an integer index, okay. right? So then I say, if there is a sample at uh, audio buffer dot samples brackets index dot floor. So I basically take the index and I floor it. Okay. Yep. Right. Yep. So if it was 1.5, I just put it to one. Okay. Right. So I basically say push the sample from the original stream at index.floor to the new stream. Mm, and what that does is, oh, and then I say, and then at the end of the loop, I say index plus equals sample rate ratio. So I don't increment the index by one every time. I There's increment the, the index. Yeah, okay. I increment the index by the sample rate ratio. Okay, you increment the index by the sample rate ratio, and so all right. So you have a for loop, but instead of i equals one. So say like, our say our ratio is 0.5. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh huh. So the first time through the loop, the index is zero. Yeah. Second time through the loop, the index is 0.5. Yep. Third time through the loop, the index is one. Yep. Fourth time, it's 1.5. Right. Right. Yep. So what that means is, first time through the loop, we're going to uh, we're going to output array dot zero. Mm. Second time through the loop, we're also going to output array dot zero because point five dot floor yeah. is also zero. Third time through oh, the loop, we're going to input cool. output array dot one. Fourth time, we're also going to output array dot one. Very clever. And then in the converse, where it's a two, 
right? Where it's two to one. Yeah. What we want to do is reject every other sample. Sure. Right? Yep. And so in those cases, what we're going to do is first time through the thing, we're going to do zero. Yep. Second time through the thing, we're going to do two. Third time through the thing, we're going to do four. Yes. Because we're incrementing by two right. each time. So you're accessing an offset index and rejecting. Right. So it doesn't matter it. whether you're upsampling or downsampling. Right. All that matters is both. the ratio, and that's what you increment. Come on, the and you did that with by. your own brain? I did it with my own brain. Len was there too, but dude, it was cool. Wasn't that? Isn't that cool? Mad props. Yeah. Super cool. And I figured out a way to make it work on streams as well. So it's not just a loop where it needs to know, like indexes of the arrays. Gotcha. How'd you do that? Uh, async resample dot rs. Okay, so I do. I get the sample rate ratio, right? Same deal. Um, and then I have a five. I have a uh, variable called most recent sample. Okay. Right. And so then uh, I do the same loop, right? And then uh, if the current index is less than one then i uh add the sample rate ratio to the index and then yield the most recent sample otherwise if it's not less than one meaning if it's greater than one or if it is one then i set the most recent sample to the sample set the ticker it's actually not an index, it's a ticker in this case. I set the ticker back to zero. I set the most recent sample to the sample, and then I yield the sample. Don't get it. <laughs> you would have to... It's all good. Yeah, you. we could walk through it if you want, and we could get it. Anyway, it's a generator. I, it's cool. Figure, it's using yields. Yeah, it's sick. There's some amount of historical data, but just very recent. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. Dope, dude. It's super Extremely super cool. cool, Daniel. Audio processing, bro. Yeah, this it's is so like I, there's this fantasy, you know, like th there's a part of me that wants to, you know, own land and quit computers and just like tend it all day. And there's this other part of me that wants to um, not exist in the physical form. No, this other part of me that wants to like just quit high level programming and dedicate audio, my life audio to like building from the ground up, you know, of just like. I don't get yeah. to write Laravel again until I can actually write everything under Laravel down to the chip, you know, like down to mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. the actual physics of it. Um, well, dude, yeah. and so the, the reason I did it this way was like, I'm not going to learn Rust if I use a wrapper around FFmpeg, mm -hmm. right? What I'm going to learn is yeah. how to make someone's library work. Yep. You know, and I was like, that's not fun. And that's not what I'm here to do. Yeah. Right. And also, like, I wanted to learn the Rust type system. Right. Yeah. And all these libraries publish these super fucking complicated types. Yeah. Where it's like this type that implements these 12 other traits yep. that all do this complex stuff that have these crazy lifetimes and all this stuff. And I was like, it's I'm not learning the type system. All I am is all I'm doing is fighting with the most complicated possible version of the type system. Yeah. Right. So I want to only work with primitive types. So like I figured out how can I most efficiently turn this file into an array of integers. Yep. Right. And then it's like, okay, now I'm working in primitive land. I understand vectors. I understand integers. Yeah, it's perfect. That's all I need. And then I will make my own types as necessary. Right. Yeah. But like, 
until such a point as I need one, I'm just dealing with I-16s and vectors, right? Yep. So now I do have three types. So I have audio sample, audio stream, and audio buffer. Okay. Three types. Yep. Um, that is all. It's yeah, super and you made chill. them yourself, so. And I made them myself, and they're all just wrappers around like I-16s or vectors of I-16s or streams that return I-16s, basically. Yep. Daniel, I'm very excited. This is uh, this is good stuff. It's all out, it's all on my GitHub. It is all WIP, but there's a branch called async rewrite. Um, so you the thing that's on master is the like non-async dumb guy implementation. Okay. And then the one that's on the async rewrite branch is the like the most recent smart guy implementation. Yep. Still doesn't have any threading, anything like that. Uh, PR is welcome, but I'll probably not merge them because I'm enjoying this too much. <laughs> so anyway, it's a good time. Sweet, dude. But if anyone wants to pair, I am down to pair. Hit me up on Telegram. My Telegram's on my website, cold.com. Hit your Daniel boy up. Yeah. You heard it here. Yeah, dude. Um, uh, oh, briefly, before we hit it, um, create what? Create, not create signal, create, not switchboard, create. Create React app. No, create selector. You oh, in SolidJS. Yeah, so that whole like thing yes. that, that we were talking about last time with the reactive switchboard, reactive lens lenses business. Listener of the show, wish I remembered his name, sorry, came out and was like, seems like you're talking about what solid jazz already has which is why i tagged ryan carniato in the original tweaks i was like dude i know yeah. you've thought about this um so they have they have a solution to this problem it's called create selector which is really cool it was dominic trankline trankline thank you um, dom but yeah they have create selector which is awesome yeah very cool yeah. and it does the exact same thing i haven't looked at it enough to understand whether it would work it for supports multiple yeah, i saw you ask that and i think you got ghosted there I did get ghosted. Um, yes, that's very cool. I, I just want to say that the whole reactive switchboard, reactive lens thing concept is a great reminder to me that my intuition, that basically like there are things that I think are really awesome and I either haven't done a good job communicating or people don't care about or a combination of both. And this I think is the, this is the most realized version of that. <laughs> Yeah. nobody gives in that a like you think shot. there's absolute gold here but you can't yeah. communicate it yep it's like i think you're I right think i definitely I think it is extremely valuable and i think people don't care about it so i think we got a twofer here mm -hmm. but hey uh, yeah. one quick thing before we before we peel off yeah um do you think there's a world where um do you think there's a world where like binding to those could be more efficient binding to what so like we're binding to those say like say in the in the spreadsheet situation yeah, right yeah, yeah. with the active cell right say i've got sixty thousand cells yeah. and mm -hmm. do you think there's a world where i could be more efficient about the actual like spinning up of the binds so that the initialization isn't 60,000 slow yeah um i mean you can skip like, the like initial could, is there a world where i could take ownership of 
initializing oh. right. each component in the order that I choose. Like if I knew like, like these the are the ones that are ones? active, so initialize them first. Right, right. Yeah. Is I there a world where I can hack that and own that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially if the only visual things you're changing is classes. Like honestly, mm -hmm. with something like when you're in the spreadsheet land of 60,000 cells, I think it's good advice that like, I think you're in different conditions where you don't have to just use the framework and like yeah. class list might be your, your option, you know? Yeah. 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 And just like manually updating the classes exactly, and stuff. Yeah. I know I'm trying to avoid that. But There's yeah, probably right. a way to figure it out reactively, but yeah. I've already done the, like, I've already done the, the smart, uh, event delegation stuff for the click handling and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So like I now only have one listener and you know, all this stuff, but like I still do have the, like I'm booting an Alpine component 60,000 times. Yeah. And each of those things is going and checking a thing. Yeah. You could do, um, this is the silliest thing, Daniel. This is the silliest thing. Mm -hmm. You don't rent, like, let's say in the, in the case of X bind. So what Daniel's saying for everybody who's, you know, who doesn't know what we're talking about. If you were using Alpine to create a spreadsheet with 60,000 cells and each cell is an Alpine component with X data, but also has like colon class, like X bind class. And then it watches like a global reactive value called active cell to know if I'm active, set this class on. If I'm not, take it off. We figured out a way to make this super fast with updates so that when you change active, it's instant, but the initialization is still slow. It still has to go through 60,000 cells and check that value and it's faster because we've class. removed some of the things that were slow yeah like it's getting close to the like like any code on top of just vanilla javascript is going to be around that slow but yeah um but we're getting to the point where like we are still doing something 60 000 so what times. you could do and this is silly but you could um you could not I'm just going to tell you with the class thing and this, but this principle could be applied to the components themselves. You could probably lazily load even the components themselves, but here's how you could lazily, lazily load the classes. When it, when a cell initializes in X data, you could have mm -hmm. X init or something check there to see if it's the, it's the active value. Do that conditional. If it is then virtually add X bind. So you can do Alpine dot bind and then specify X bind class. And then that, you know, like bit right there. Mm. So virtually do it so that your initialization, the only thing that gets X bind is that thing. And you just have like a conditional in that, that now that's like inside, sorry, I forgot to mention, put that inside a reactive effect <laughs> mm -hmm. so that, um, <laughs> this is actually pretty cool, dude. Oh man, this is what you should do. Don't hard code any of it inside the HTML itself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just have X and nits on every element or even well, better yet. I just dude. have a, I have a custom directive. So I just have Excel on everything. Hmm. Yeah. Right, 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 right. There's a way and to so, do this. There's a way to do this. Yeah. And the key is your own algorithm that you dream up combined with reactive effects combined mm -hmm. with alpine.bind to virtually bind all the stuff you want to bind. So it's not initialized at first. Yeah. That's the way. So that when active it's switches, cool. then effect runs that goes. Oh, Caleb, keep in mind, by the dude, way, you I'm do the nuttiest things. Oh my gosh. At some point I'm going to pull you back in on this project, yeah. by the way. Oh, you have to pay me. Um, 
We, I will. I paid you last time. Did you? Okay. I don't keep Didn't track I? of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I paid you. I don't know. I'm just sorry for calling you out publicly about but I don't even check that stuff. I paid you. Okay, great. I I know. I've seen the the withdrawal in my bank account. Great, perfect. I'll pay attention. Oh, to yeah. that. I I paid you, bro. Um anyway, I'll pay you again. Pay too. me twice. Um but uh I'm gonna pull you back in on this project because there is HTMX um so we're gonna start batching the loading of the cells. Okay. Right, which is smart, and yeah, that is, is going to cut down on a lot, a lot of the initialization smart. problems. Yes. So, say we're only loading like a hundred rows at a time, right? Yep. Um, but I do want to like think through with you the like smart way to handle that batching, and like what should mm. the callback be when another when another set of hundred cells loads in? What right. should the callback be that does that? Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Pull me back in. I put great. a bit at the end of my GitHub Accelerator talk where I, I just went through a timeline of every like thing I've launched and thing I've charged for. and then it, Did you include the money that we paid you? Yeah. So it, at yeah. the end, I was like, oh, yeah, and freelance gigs. I literally haven't taken a freelance gig in years, but I just took one, and it's great because it's like if it's the right thing, it's, so fun. it's fun. Yeah. You just get to like have fun and if work on something. If it makes your project better or if it makes you know your, makes project, you know your better. project better and it's like yeah. an outsized amount of value providing to somebody who's using your project, it's like you could just bag a quick grand over a weekend and yeah. and that's that. Super you know? chill. So, yeah. Super cash. Just got to have a friend who runs an agency. Yeah, dude. Um, we are eating shit out here. Oh, dude. So life is so fun in agency. Really quick before we're dead. Then we're dead. Okay, we gotta, we gotta um, be dead, but you gotta tell. We me gotta be dead as soon as possible. Um, so both major event sourcing projects have kicked off. So Dope. I've got two significant event sourcing projects, both of which are like heavily designed, like really prepared, good event sourcing implementation stuff. Great. Both event sourcing projects are kicked off. Um, spreadsheet thing renewed for another month. May renew for Sweet. another month after that. Um, so that's still active still get to play around in spreadsheet world if i ever <laughs> can conquer python um and uh yeah it's really fun it's just like dope filling up your only fun projects right that's now awesome. everything's fun projects that's the way to do it and then like whenever i am like you know whenever it's like 2 a.m and i'm bored i'm making rust audio i was just talking to somebody my life is full of beautiful programming right now. That's amazing, Daniel. I'm so happy. It's only code I care about writing. Right. Like, I don't... There's no bullshit. Yep. I was talking to somebody, and they were, like, describing a financial app. Oh, Mitch. About... Which I was talking about... He's talking about something internally where they're... Where somebody's, like, building, like, a spreadsheet app and... But they're they're doing like it's a little bit like next level like um you know with like actual calculations field cells and there's, stuff like yeah um like a user could hit like equals sign like the the kind of thing where they're like designing financial spreadsheets inside this thing mm -hmm. is that what you're doing leptos leptos what they're not what leptos what about leptos build it in leptos why because do all your financial calculations in Rust. Oh, because it's fast? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I 
he just like explained this whole thing to me and then i think in like another conversation or after i was just like oh yeah and like daniel i was pairing with i was like i was pairing with daniel reactive switchboard thing whatever and he's mm-hmm. like dude why didn't you say that like i'm like he's like that is literally what i'm like yeah well you should so i explained to him the reactive switchboard thing and anyway whatever um i just forgot the whole story but remembered it as i told it yeah it was just so he's building he's building a like spreadsheet a app. parallel universe thing here yeah i don't know if he's doing it personally he would like to do something like that but there's also a company building a rust wasm based spreadsheet app out there i because they keep advertising on youtube channels that i watch okay because they're hiring rust developers oh. to build their rust well there's gonna be app. a lot more rust developers now that nobody wants rust so there's gonna be a lot of rust developers without jobs so that should be easy rust is good primogen's wrong <laughs> Who wants to write Zig? Not me. Yeah. Dude, the guy who wrote Zig, like, it's a really fascinating story. He's just not a language. This is his first language. He just, like, started building it because he wanted something that was, like, C but better, but whatever. So he just started working on it. (laughs) It's, like, pretty cool. Um, It is cool. Okay, Daniel, with that. With that. We shall. We shall. Cue the... Al Tro Mama Music Nana. Beep, 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 beep.